This is an ABC podcast which may contain very naughty words. For the next half hour, everything in this podcast is strictly based on the available facts. Welcome back to Finding Desperado. I'm Cameron James. Our mystery started with a childhood copy of the Guinness Book of Records and a record for the world's youngest filmmaker, Lord Sidney Ling. 13 years old, director of Lex the Wonder Dog. For a movie with such a prestigious record, curiously, there was no trace of the film's existence anywhere online. And then... Nobody at frickin' Guinness would talk to me to confirm or deny if they'd ever seen the film. After plumbing the depths of the internet movie database with my buddy Alexei Toliopoulos, we found nary a crumb of detail about the career of this promising wunderkind. Whoever Lord Sidney is now, he is a private man, a recluse who made a couple of films and then retired from the spotlight. Or so we assumed. Then we found his website. He describes himself as, amongst other things, a child prodigy, a wizard, and a 3,000-year-old light being with healing hands and unheard-of walking speed. In this chapter, we're going deeper into the elusive and possibly supernatural world of Lord Sidney Ling. This is a story about myth, misdirection, and blogspot.coms. Stand by. Alexi Teleopolis, we are back. We are indeed, and we left on a very intriguing note. Last time you left me on the edge of a precipice, feeling like I was about to enter an entire new world, you revealed to me this... I don't know how else to describe it other than a blogspot.com manifesto (laughs) where he kind of described himself as like this fantasy being full of light. It did awaken that same feeling I felt when I found... On Mountains We Stand by Todd Noy, who allegedly had gone missing, but the book was signed by him. I had that same feeling. How did you feel about him being potentially 3,000 years old? Befuddled, for one. I definitely felt befuddled by it, transfixed by it, and perplexed by it. Many words that I never use in my everyday life, but they are worthy of this moment. What else is contained in this blogspot.com? Well, there isn't just one blogspot website. There are at least nine different blog spots written by Sydney Ling, devoted to Sydney Ling. And the more we know, maybe the closer we can get to finding out where we can find Lex the Wonder Dog. So last chapter, everything that you heard comes from one of these websites, Lord Sydney Ling over the years dot blogspot dot com. I can't believe you got the domain name for that. <laughs> but what are some of the other blog spots? Okay. Have your browser at the ready. Lord Sidney Ling Fan Club dot blogspot dot com. 
over 40 years of inner communication. How would you describe this website by era of the internet? I would describe it as MySpace-esque. There is like a background that is just a picture that someone's decided for it to be and the colours are all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) It seems to be sort of a dedication to him as a young artist. There's photos of him as a child on here. There's a photo of him holding a... A fan? A fan. Well, I guess this is the fan club. Maybe it's more literal than what we thought it was. <laughs> There's a kind of collage of him with other famous people. There's a picture of him, no shit, with Leonardo DiCaprio. The Leo? Him and Leo. There's a picture of them here together. Oh, my God. My favourite Italian actor. <laughs> There's a list here of some of his um, achievements. Youngest photographer, age five. Youngest physical trainer from the age of seven. Young painter, young bullfighter, the youngest public relation executive. This is a fascinating website. There's a young photo of Sidney Ling that looks like it would have been around the time that he would have been directing Lex the Wonder Dog. Hmm. A lot of stuff written about Ibiza here. Then in the very bottom corner, in very tiny writing that I can't see because I have astigmatism, a Heller and Myers presentation. Well, that leads me to one of the other blog spots. Heller and Myers.blogspot.com. Whoa, this is psychedelic, dude. Seems to be devoted to two men, Seymour Heller and James Myers, who are, according to this website, Lord Sidney Ling's managers. Yeah, Seymour Heller, personal manager for over 60 years to Liberace and many others. Yes, and then James E. Myers, he's the number one thing it says about him is that he's the composer of Rock Around the Clock. <laughs> I just, I just looked it up. That is true. That's, That's true? not made up. May I say, the shittest God. song in history. The, one of the worst. In the 50s, they thought that this was cool and rock and roll. It's a song about the freaking time. <laughs> half past one, <laughs> let's have some fun. It's ten past two, I'm looking at you. Let's have a good time. Looking at the clock, it's 3.05, I'm looking alive. I hate that song. I hate that song. Then at the very bottom, there's a biography Ooh. of Lord Sydney as their number one client. There's a picture of Lord Sydney. As a boy, in fact, there's one of him with a dog, which I'm presuming is Lex. The dog does look like a wonder dog. And he's sitting there with the wonder boy, a very rare occurrence. There's one of Ling dressed like Vincent van Gogh. And then further down, the many talents of the amazing Lord Sidney, there's a great picture of him sitting in front of, I guess, a Mediterranean seaside village. And then there's a hyperlink saying, ibithatimes.blogspot.com the legendary site about bohemians, artists, and special people who lived on the island of Ibiza. Well, it says up the top, it's an intimate museum site about the island of Ibiza in the 1960s and 70s. Famous faces from the 60s and 70s come and relive Ibiza's old days. And now I'm only going to give you one guess who that (laughs) face belongs to. Well, I'm looking at it right now. That's the young and amazing Sydney from Ibiza. This whole website is a collection of images that seem to be like adjacent to Ibiza. Sydney Ling features in a lot of them. And then there's Salvador Dali, Orson Welles, a lot of other artists. Again, it is a mess. Every one of these websites has a different Gmail address at the bottom of it. 
I'm going to email all of them. God, CC me on every single one of them. Contrasting to the young photos, there's photos of him in, I guess, like late 30s, 40s. He's often wearing a suit, mm-hmm. a bow tie. His hair's slicked back. It's darker now. I've got to say, he looks fucking cool here. He looks really cool here. I, I mean, I'm wearing almost an identical outfit to him as we speak about this. The many lives of Lord Sidney. He who saved the Betha street dogs. I just can't believe none of it mentions Lex the Wonder Dog or or the Guinness Book of Records. There's so much stuff about Ibiza here. Yeah, I want to learn a little bit more about Ibiza. I want to learn everything there is to know about Ibiza. I want to know how to pronounce Ibiza. Me too, I'm scared. Welcome to sunny Ibiza. Coño, esta gente no sabe nada. Es... Ibiza. Uh. Ibiza. Welcome to Ibiza. A magical island in the sun where restless souls find each other. My name is Martin Davis. I am an Ibithologist, is how I describe myself. Uh, anything to do with Ibiza. Ibithologist, did you invent that or... Yes. You did? <laughs> Hot sun-soaked Eden for tourists and partygoers. Part bohemian hideaway for troubled artists, writers, celebrities and child prodigies. We don't know a hell of a lot about the island. I guess that's why we've come to you. The main thing we know about it is that it's like a party scene. Yeah. I mean, is that is that what drew you there? Do you like to party? Are you a party animal? No, I'm not actually. I'm a really bad party animal. <laughs> it's just such a beautiful island. There's so many wonderful things to do here if you're outdoors minded, cycling, trekking, canoeing, all that kind of stuff. If you're looking for a place to lay out in the sun all day, party all night, drink wine with Keith Richards, talk shit with Orson Welles, and attempt to write your latest masterpiece, Ibiza, Ibiza is, the, is destination the destination for you. For you. We're, we're a little bit intrigued by this particular era of Ibiza, the 60s, 70s artistic scene that was around there, because it seems to kind of predate the party scene. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, there are two main periods for the artists and the writers who were here for productive purposes. Uh, the first was in the 30s, between 1932 and or 33 and 36. It was the place for artists to come and see what was happening in other countries, mix up with other artists. The same happened in the 50s and 60s. You've lived on the island since the 90s. I gather it's a pretty small place. Have you ever heard of Lord Sidney Ling? Only online. His name's never come up in conversation with anyone I know. But that's very typical of Ibiza. You're always discovering interesting new people here. It's like like the TARDIS and Doctor Who. You know, where do they all live? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How come they... It's amazingly rich in, in, in characters, the island. You actually brought something to my attention that I had no idea about, which was that Sidney Ling very likely isn't his real name. Ling Mulder de Rosiel Clipping. His father's Mulder de Rosiel. It's an aristocratic name, apparently. So that's where the Lord comes from. His mother is Adriana K. Ling. Okay. So he's taken his mother's surname. 
Right, so he might actually be. He might be a lord. Okay. Oh, yes, I think he might be, yes. I mean, I don't know how many of those German lords there are. It sort of seems like there was this scene of aristocratic or bohemian people. Yeah, yeah, it was a place for the black sheep from every every family, rich family in Europe. And a lot of those black sheep were actually quite talented in various ways, you know. Sad to say, some of the more talented ones actually ruined their talent because it's such a fun place. And that mm. people don't know that this is one of the dangers of artist colonies, that they can actually destroy your talent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Am I completely wrong here? Or is there something about that island? It seems like it draws in huge personalities, people that want to exaggerate themselves or swindlers, frauds. What is that? What is going on with that place? Certainly for someone who, who wants to claim uh, uh, an aristocratic uh, background, it's quite an easy place to do so. A, people don't really care, and B, you can invent a, a past for yourself. You can invent a name for yourself, an identity if you want to change who you were. Uh, people are often known only by their first names, not by their surnames. He also was a guitar player. We haven't mentioned that, have we? He seems to be a professional guitar player. This, um, <laughs> Does Sydney he? Ling. Yes, oh yes. That's what he, how he's earned his living for the past, whatever, years. What is um, a, gu- he, a guitar he's a player? He's a guitarist, yeah. Oh my God. So just to pause on that conversation for a second, after Martin told us about Sydney Ling's flamenco guitar career, I did a little Googling and I found six new oh. blogspot oh. websites <laughs> all devoted to Sydney's career as a flamenco guitarist. Wow. By the way, as a flamenco guitarist, he plays under the name El Conde, which means the Count. His illustrious highness Count and Lord Sydney Ling. I'll read just what I wrote about him. We have a fairly high-born Belgian-French count who began life in Amsterdam. His parents seemed to have moved to Ibiza when he was fairly young. He may have honed his flamenco skills in La Parra Bar in the harbour area of Ibiza town, known for this kind of music, and started with films via documentaries of local bullfights, thanks to his skill at languages. A fixer for B-movies in the 70s and 80s. After that, a low-profile flamenco guitarist so that's my little summary of his career. I, uh, I've seen him on YouTube. Plays okay, yeah. <laughs> Try out a new nickname. Or even a whole new personality. Here, you can be whoever you want to be. Stay for a day, a week, or the, the rest, rest of your life. It's all about persona on Ibiza. Persona and party drugs. They're the two things <laughs> that it's about. And you know what? So far, everything that we've read has been written by Sidney Ling, with yeah. the exception of the Guinness World Records book. You've sent me, I think, four different articles from various trade press magazines mm-hmm. from about 1992 to 1995 at Cannes. So these are the Cannes Film Festival where there's like thousands of people out and about trying to get their movies noticed. I have no idea what any of these publications are. I've never been to Cannes, so (laughs) I don't know what Trade Press or Foyer Magazine are, but I assume they're kind of like Variety, something like that. Yeah, the Hollywood Reporter is kind of what they have that feeling of. And these are all personality pieces on Sydney Ling as this man about town at the Cannes Film Festival. One of them has this gorgeous picture of Sydney Ling wearing these white 
chinos, some cool boat sneakers, tucked in shirt. It's black and white, but I'm assuming it's blue. He looks very much like Dr. Allen from Jurassic Park, where he's got that tucked in chino <laughs> look. And the title is Conceptual Wizardry An Insight into the Unbelievable Talents of Sydney Ling by Leslie Clifford. Some of these articles are quite effusive in the way they describe him as like a, a savant, and it's a little bit gossip magazine-y, mm. if you know what I mean. There's a there's a line here saying that Sidney Ling is in his office and the phone rings, and the direct quote from the article is, The following call is from a star we all know but who I cannot mention. Sidney Ling is discreet when it comes to his confidences. Ooh. I mean, it's all a bit like tabloidy in the way that it says that he has stars calling and he's helping them out with their problems on the sly. There's another one here from Foyer Magazine, 1997. It's by Lenny Berman. And the headline is Ling's Magic. Okay, as in like Ling is magic. That's what I'm thinking. I think there's a little bit of pun play going on here. Sydney Ling, the man, the myth, the missing link. Sydney Ling is numero uno when it comes to specialist advice on the international entertainment business. Familiar as he is with the customs and practices of many countries, fluent in 14 languages and an expert in top-level deal-making worldwide. And directly beneath that, on the second page of this article, it's Ling and Elton John hanging out. <laughs> ah, the piano man himself. <laughs> Here's another quote from the article, Conceptual Wizardry. Mm -hmm. This is at the very end of the article after they've talked about his genius in Hollywood and in uh, European film. I wish I could write something less positive just to tease him, but I can't. Sidney Ling makes you discover that you exist, and being with him, you might discover what life is all about. Imagine having that written about you. Wow. You would feel, I reckon you'd feel really good. I'd feel elated and honestly, Cameron, I'd feel humbled. (laughs) I don't really know much about these magazines. I don't really even know much about Cannes Film Festival. I'm no expert either. All I really know is that it is the most important film festival in the world. Mm. But we've already spoken to someone on this podcast who very much is an expert on the Cannes Film Festival. They've been going there for the last 40 years as a journalist, as a critic. He's one of Australia's most respected and iconic voices in film criticism. It's safe to say that he is responsible for making us the cinephiles that we are, Cameron. (laughs) Let's talk to David Stratton one more time. Hi, I'm David Stratton, film reviewer. Maybe we can start by talking about Sidney Ling a little bit just to fill you in on him. So he's this filmmaker that we discovered who has attained two Guinness World Records. He held the record for 30 years for the youngest filmmaker of a professionally made feature film. He also holds another record for longest documentary for a 24-hour documentary film about his grandmother called Grandmother Martha. Does this name ring a bell for you at all? Lord Sidney Ling? Neither him nor his grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been going to Cannes for? I went for the first time in 1984. From then I went every year for many years. From the time I first went to Cannes, I was reviewing for Variety. We have um, some clippings from, they seem to be street press magazines. Did we send those through to... You did. I have to 
confess, though, that I'm not familiar with this particular trade paper. I mean, the main trade papers in Cannes are Variety, Hollywood Reporter, Screen International, and the French version, Le Film Francais. Uh, I'm sure there are other things knocking around, but those are the only ones most people read. Okay. This one wasn't any of those. Foyer. Foyer magazine. Does that sound familiar? No. That does just sound like a magazine that is left in foyers in hotels during the Cannes Film Festival. Well, they all are. I mean, that's the thing. Early in the morning, if you're staying in an apartment, not in a hotel, you have to go early in the morning to the nearest hotel to you to pick up all the trades and you get them all. So Variety, Hollywood Reporter, Le Film Francais and Screen International, you get the lot and go through them and see what's happening and see where Mm. the buzz is and all that sort of thing. So the trades are very important. Could I just read you perhaps some of the names of the writers that are attached to these articles to see if they ring any bells of like any comrades you may have had during that time? Sure. So the first one is Sidney Ling, The Man, The Myth, the Missing Link, and that's by Jerry A. Katz. No. Okay, this one's called Ling's Magic, and have you heard of the writer Lenny Berman? No. Uh, the next one is Conceptual Wizardry, Sidney Ling. That's by Leslie Clifford. No. And that also has a quote. When it comes to the packaging of high-tech movies, Sidney Ling is now the undisputed and unquestioned master of concepts. It's a wonderful quote. I wonder if you put it yourself. <laughs> what does it even mean? I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around what that means. It's a, it's a lot of buzzwords, but it doesn't seem to be saying anything. I'm not suggesting that none of these people exist. There are thousands of people that can a thousand accredited journalists and critics. I just have not heard of these names. I mean, there may be a magazine called Foyer, but having said that, it's perfectly possible for anyone wanting to draw attention to themselves and their film to uh, print something up. doesn't cost all that much to do that, and you pay people to distribute them around the hotels and the different venues. That doesn't cost a great deal either. Everybody does it. That's common behaviour. In the market it is. Because you'll do anything to draw attention to your film. You put out leaflets, you stick leaflets up all over the town, have stunts like Peter Weir did with Carse Paris. You do anything to draw attention. You just want people to come and see it. Because if it's a completely unknown film and a completely unknown filmmaker, nobody's going to waste their time seeing it when there's, at any given moment during the Cannes Film Festival, there's probably 50 films screening in different venues. So if you want to get attention, you've got to do something. Can you recall any other stunts that stand out for you around that era? There was a stunt involving the film Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone, which had to do with somebody hanging from one of the the buildings in Cannes. I remember being amused by the fact that the guy who was spruiking it was French and he kept calling the film Cliff Anger. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded like the name of a a punk actor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really loving the feeling of where we're at right now. Yeah. It feels like we're kind of like halfway into this like elaborate fantasy world of Sydney Ling, but I don't really know where my feet are at right now. I know, I know. It's so confusing because some of it feels authentic. We know he's a real person, but some of it doesn't quite... It's not grounded to me. Mm. I want to know where the real Sydney ends and where the hoax begins. I think I have a way... 
where we can get inside the mind of a hoax writer. You're not suggesting. Oh, honey, I am suggesting. We call up an old friend. Good evening, Alexi. It's good to see you again. Hello, David. Hey, David. Hey, Cam. How's it going? Yeah, not so bad. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. (laughs) Very nice uh, for you to include me. I'm very excited to share with you my findings. For anyone who didn't listen to our first season, Finding Drago, this is David Alat. He's from Sheffield in the UK. He works in local government. And he just so happens to be an expert in hoax writers and fake identities. Listen to the first season and you'll see why we needed to get him back. And this time, David, you're our Hannibal Lecter. Yes. We've given you a little bit of homework. The first thing we sent you was a, a website, Lord Sydney Ling through the years dot Everything you've sent me, I have lived with. I've lived Ling for quite some time. I've dived deep into every aspect of it and I've produced what you'll see here, which is my dossier. (laughs) We'll have to be putting a screenshot up on our socials because this is quite a package. I'm looking at several manila folders, some of them colours I've never even seen before. I wouldn't even describe as manila, which is my favourite colour. These are the real thrillers in manila. When you dive into this stuff, you're going to find some real exciting findings. <laughs> what, what have we got in this dossier here, David? Everything. Sketches, web diagrams, you've got Venn diagrams, you've got personalised reports that I've constructed one for every single article that you've sent me. You've sent me magazines. There's even a fan club for Sydney Ling, the Fellowship of the Ling. Um, (laughs) I've been through all of it. And what I've got here, this is my Alabaster Wars. This is the greatest piece of literature ever written and it's entirely factual. Ling, I'm Serpicoing you, baby. I'm going to get you. This is Frost Nixon stuff. When we uh, when you first laid eyes on the website, the first blog spot that we sent through, what what was your initial thoughts? Almost, almost a trace of memory. I mean, you're talking here to a. I'd, I'd consider myself a level five fabulist. I'm seeing an equal here. I'm looking through this stuff. How many levels are there to fabulism? I have to ask. If you're a level five, oh, there's only five levels, baby. We are the we are the creme. <laughs> So what do you see when you when you look at these? I mean, he writes a lot of amazing words about himself. I must confess, when I first read it, it reminded me a lot of a certain author, Todd Noy, who would write about himself in, in similar ways. What's your first thoughts here? What do you think is going on behind the words? When I first looked at it, I'm, I, I must confess, I, I wanted to be driven by objectivity in this. And, and as I was looking at it, I had to keep reminding myself, say, stay focused on it. Now, I think based on what I've read, what the world needs now more than ever is Ling. And I want Ling to be what the, what the words on the pages say. But even mm. from the get-go, even from that very first article, I had my suspicions. These are not works of, of true journalism. They're not written the way that the, the, the established journalistic form obeys it breaks all the rules we sent you three articles from something called trade press magazine trade press had you heard of trade press before i'd not heard of it i mean you've got lenny berman jerry katz david goldman leslie clifford i've dived deep i can't find anything else that these guys have written one thing i would say about these articles and the bit that really has got me um intrigued is 
the actual way these articles look, they do look very credible. Mm. And, um, you know, they do look what I would consider a luxury magazine of the 90s to look yeah. and feel like. It's only when I dive under the hood and start really reading the text where I'm thinking, Lenny, is that really how you go about writing an article about this 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 man, this saviour of the dogs? Give me some details. What do you mean? What stands out to you as being uh, as not ringing true? Spurious use of facts and percentages. Okay. Now, there's a quote within one of these articles that says, Ling analyzes 60 times faster than any other person. Um, <laughs> he can do things instantly that would take 20 people five months. I've done the maths on this for one, but parking that aside... You can't just throw percentages around like that wildly. Yeah, um, it's irresponsible. So for me, it, 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 you know, it doesn't obey the peer-reviewed scientific method. And even back in the 90s when these articles would have been going round, that, that was all the vogue at that time. So I just think it's inconsistent with the style of the age. Does anything else stand out to you as, uh, as I don't know, suspicious? Other than every single line of it. <laughs> um... <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, give us. <laughs> I mean, other than that, other than that, anything else? He mentions things that I would consider beyond the realm of my reality. Things like being perhaps or probably as old as Methuselah, being 3,000 years of age, having hot healing hands, being the world's most unimaginably fast walker. These sound like the kind of exaggerations that you told me in the heat of the moment when you were talking about Todd Noy and Quince Noy and Marlon Noy. What do you think the purpose is for Sidney Ling writing about himself in this way? Uh, one scenario is that Ling is real, in which case we've got a body of stories and publications that celebrate the life and work of a unique man and an influential man. Mm. The second scenario, Ling is not real, in which case we're looking at a body of carefully contrived artifacts to inflate or even invent this heroic figure. Uh, my area of fascination is the latter, and I feel that that's in many ways what I did with Noi, albeit... Noi took a stage on because part of the things I did ended up becoming true as the Noi community added to the to the mythos beyond what I could what I could do. So what we need to do then if we're understanding B, what has this guy covered? What's driving him? Hmm. And I've made some bullet points. <laughs> Fire them off. Yearning for a hero to build something greater than oneself. We all need a hero. Yeah. Perhaps an opportunity to showcase real talents or imagination. Maybe he's got some existing works that he wants to share with the world okay. and he realises that there's a greater authority to share that than himself. That's certainly how I felt with Noi. I felt like Todd Noi had a much greater right to tell the story of Drago and the Mountain than I did. Okay. So perhaps it's that. Mm. Another one is frustrations with the realities of, of the industry or with people generally. One thing that jumps out of all these articles and websites is that the person writing it seems to have a disdain for the way that things are done. Mm -hmm. You know, Ling is the only honest guy out there. He's the only one you can trust. Everybody else is stupid except Ling. You know, so maybe it's that. And then the final bullet point that I've made, it's fun. It's an awful lot of fun constructing this stuff and coming up with these stories about these figures. So I don't know if any of those ring true for you as as perhaps some of the drivers for Mr. Ling. I think they do. There's The one that stood out to me just then a lot was frustrations with the industry and the way that one is treated. I mean, potentially this is somebody who who did create 
a film at a young age. It didn't really get the success that he felt it deserved. And so he started trying to build himself up in other ways, mm. leading, or, leading to the Guinness Book of Records, you know. Or someone not being able to fulfill what they saw as their own legacy, not yeah. living up to their own expectations. So you've done the research, David. You've looked at the writings. You've looked at the authors. Are these articles written by the same person? One thing that I've realised with literature is that one's written word is just the same as a human voice box. Just in the same way, if I was talking about a hundred different subjects, you would know it was me talking. Mm. Those in tune with the world of literature will hear the sentences written on the page and they'll equate that to a, a voice box. Sure. I feel very strongly that these are the works of one writer. And I've also found that both the articles, the written articles in Foyer magazine and trade press, have some correlation through to things like the website and the museum and and those entries. They're written in a similar way. It's almost childlike the way the sentences are constructed. Hmm. Lots of linked, loose sentences, one rolling into another. Absolutely, this is from the same voice box. And if not from the same voice box, it's a very small group of people that have a kind of established little language between them. Oh, my God. If this is a man who is inventing a lot of his public persona or inventing a, a life and a, a myth around himself, what's the purpose of, of that? Why would someone do that? I think he wants to feel cherished. I think he wants to live forever. I have no idea what is real right now. Mm. Everything has felt obtuse and obscure, except for like two dozen Gmail addresses. <laughs> that felt like a little beacon of light today. I know. There's uh, a lot of email addresses. I've emailed all of them. Okay. Every single one of them has bounced back with the exact same message. Your message couldn't be delivered. Okay. However... I have found another website. Baby, it's not a blog spot. You're going to be happy. Okay. This is a real one. Sydneyling.com. He got the .com. He got, he got the, got the domain. domain. I'm so happy for him. I've never been more happy for anyone. You click on sydneyling.com. It leads you to a blank white page with words peering out at you okay. from a black sans serif font. This portfolio is private. Enter your access code. And then there's a space what? for you to enter an access code. What? Yeah. I don't know what the access code is. I tried 6969. Oh <laughs> I tried 1234. I feel sick. Don't tell me jokes. But right down the bottom of the page, there's a little button that says request access. Did you hit it? I clicked on that oh and God. you can send a message to Sydney Ling oh requesting access for the website. What did you send? Hello. My name is Cameron James. I'm a podcaster from Australia. I'm trying to contact Sydney Ling for a podcast project about film and would love the opportunity to be put in contact with him. Is this Sydney Ling? Did you hear anything back? An hour later, I got a reply. What does he say? That was reel two of Finding Desperado. Created by Alexi Toliopoulos and me, Cameron James. If you'd like to hear more from Alexi and I, please join us weekly on Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet about movies. This series was produced by Bryce Halliday. 
consulting producer Anna Brunowski, featuring Ben Russell as the voice of Lord Sidney Ling. This episode also featured Alex Lee and Ivana Aristigetta. The series is mixed and sound designed by John Jacobs. Music by Luca Baroni-Peters. This is an ABC Audio Studios production. Executive producer Tom Wright. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app. I'm Judith Lucy and I'm overwhelmed and dying. Just before turning 50, I realised that I was totally overwhelmed by the state of the world and my own life. But I also felt like time was running out. So the question is, how to make the most of the years that I have left on this planet? .blogspot.com Come, calm, calm.